Welcome to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. This week we sit down with Larry Quinn. Yep, that Larry who was mentioned in last week's episode. Larry grew up in Wickenburg and went to school with none other than Rusty Gant. That was the beginning of a lifelong friendship that would eventually land him a role working at the ranch. Larry may come across as a gruff old cowboy, but I think you'll see he's got a sweet spot in his heart for the ranch. But we won't tell him that. So without further ado, let's listen to Larry talk about his early days at the ranch and why Rancho de los Caballeros means so much to him. Hi, Larry. How are you? I'm well. So let's start with a little bit about your background, where you're from originally. I was born and raised in Wickenburg. Uh, I like to tell people that I was born in the Seroptimus Thrift Shop because that used to be the Wickenburg Hospital. It was six beds and there was one doctor and two nurses aides, no registered nurses. And uh, they took care of the, all of Wickenburg and Whitman and Aguila, all the way to Salome with just those three people. And I was born in that hospital in October of 47. And I was abandoned at birth in that hospital. And Dr. Brawlier, who delivered me, wrapped me up in a diaper and a blanket and a copy of the Phoenix Gazette newspaper and took me down to Martha and Russ Quinn's house down on the Hassiampa River, just north of town, and basically said, you didn't know you were pregnant, but here's your son. And Dr. Brawlier, and the only lawyer in town who was also the judge, Judge Ashurst, filled out a birth certificate and sent it in to Maricopa County that I was born to Martha and Russ Quinn in October of 1947. That's how I came to be in Wickenburg. My parents left as soon as I was born. And uh, other than knowing their names and the fact they weren't married, I don't know too much about them. I know their nationalities, where they came from. I assume that they met in World War II, but because she was from overseas, she was Sicilian. And uh, the assumption is she followed him back to this country. But I was raised by the Quans. I got lucky. They had a daughter, eight months older, that they had legally adopted in, uh, in Phoenix at the at the uh, state orphanage. That's how I came to be here. I started the first grade in the Little Red Schoolhouse right across the street here with a guy named Rusty Gant. The, uh, his folks, along with a couple named Howard and another couple named McGuire, started the Rancho de los Caballeros the same year that Rusty and I were born. And so Rusty literally grew up on that ranch, and I literally grew up around that ranch because we went to school together from the first grade through the eighth grade, had the same teachers every year. So we got to have our school picnics every year out at the Lost Cab because they had a swimming pool. 
and they had one of the only two swimming pools in Wickenburg back then. And uh, so we got to go out there and go swimming once a year and have our picnic and Edie Gant was our host, Rusty's mother. So uh, at five years old, up until to today, <laughs> I've had some kind of contact with the ranch. Although Rusty got sent away to school uh, for high school and then came back here to go to ASU. I went through high school here and the night I graduated, I left Wickenburg. I went into the military and I, I stayed gone from Wickenburg almost 50 years. I would come back occasionally to visit uh, while my parents were still alive. And then after they passed, I, I would come, but very infrequently. And then um, other than that, I stayed away pretty much the whole 50 years. When did you start working at the ranch? My wife and I, Ruby, came up here for a visit. We've been living in Texas, and I moved back to Arizona to take a job with Life Care Centers of America in Scottsdale. And Ruby came, she followed me back about a year later. And we had come up here for a visit. We were, we'd been in Scottsdale about five years. We were tired of the city. We were looking around to do something. And we found a little condo and moved up here. And I thought, well, I, Ruby had retired. And I thought, well, I, I better work a while yet. And I had applied for places like the Meadows and uh, Rosemont, Rosewood. And uh, I actually got hired, I got an offer from the Meadows. I got hired at Rosewood. And I hadn't gone to work yet. I came home one day to the condo and Ruby said, well, I've got this ad from the paper for Los Caballeros. And you know that guy out there because we had gone there for brunch a few times and I'd see Rusty occasionally. And um, she said, why don't you go apply there? And I said, I've already got a job. She said, try it. I said, okay. So I drove out there and I walked into the front desk and I just told the front desk clerk, I'm gonna leave a resume in case anybody's interested. And I just left it on the desk. She said, thank you, and I left. And I got about halfway down Vulture Mine Road and my phone rang and it was Sandy Safone who had just started as the, as the HR director. And she said, would you come back and talk to us? And I said, well, sure. And I came back and I met with her and Linda. Linda was doing a lot of the HR and all of the payroll and whatnot had been for many years. And um, we sat down and talked for a few minutes and they said they wanted me to meet the new general manager. And they finally located him, he was out and about. And um, he read my resume and he said, well, we'd like to offer you a job. And I said, well, I kind of got a job, but what do you got in mind? 
and they offered me a job as a bellman. And I had never, and a driver. And because it was in close proximity to where we were living, I took the job. And I remember the first day of work, I parked down in the lower parking lot and I was walking up the driveway and I looked up and Rusty Gant was standing in the middle of the driveway waiting for me to get there. We hadn't seen each other in years. And the first thing he asked me, he says, where's your sister? He, in grade school, he had a, a thing for my sister. And I said, well, I hadn't seen her in years, which I hadn't. And, but um, I started there as a bellman. And I worked the rest of that season driving and as a bellman. And then they decided that they wanted to start having a maintenance crew in the summertime. They'd never had one before. They just locked everything up. So they asked me if I would take that on, and I said, sure. So I was doing a lot of maintenance work there. And then they asked me to be their front desk manager. That's what it was. And I said, well, I'll take a look at it. And I wasn't crazy about that. So. I gracefully withdrew from the ranch altogether and uh, explained in writing my reasoning and uh, I thought that was the end of it. And about four or five days later, I was at a car show out at the airport and I ran into Rusty. And he said, did you know that my general manager is trying to get a hold of you? And I said, no. He says, well, he is. Call him up. And the only reason why I called Rick up was because of Rusty. Rusty asked me to. I called Rick and they said, we need to talk to you. And I came back and they said, we want you to work anywhere you want to work. Just be here. So I uh, went back to doing maintenance. I was still driving. I started doing shooting part of the time. And that was kind of the beginning. And then my wife, I had first met her in Pine Top, and she'd been wanting to move back to Pine Top. So in that off season, I was still working at the ranch, but I had another couple of guys working with me by that time. So I let them do their thing for a while and I moved her back up to Pine Top. And I, I told them that I would finish up. I closed out the condo and I was going to just finish the summer, but it developed into a little more than that. And then my wife wasn't feeling well and I had to stop working again. So I missed part of that season and then I got a call, Ruby got better. I got a call from, from uh, Sandy asking me to uh, come down and work part of the summer. And they would make air-conditioned quarters available wherever. And I said, okay, so I did. And I did some work around there for the summer. And then I helped them with getting everybody into housing that following year and getting them set up and if they came in on the if the new employees came in on the weekends then I would 
get them settled down so Rick and Sandy didn't have to be there all the time. And then that was the year that they offered me a job as they, they called it night manager for a while. Then Rick started calling it assistant manager. So the dates that you, you started there about 2005? 2005, yes. And, and then I was there pretty much year-round up until 2009. And that's when my wife was struck down and uh, I also got sick and I had to leave. And since then I've come back twice for shorter periods of time, but uh, due to travel restraints and, and illness in the family, I just finally had to give it up. Didn't want to, uh, I've got a soft spot for the place because other than Rusty, I've been around it more than anybody else, but um, it just became what it is and now I'm, I keep telling myself I'd like to come back, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's wise. So what are some of those early memories the childhood memories from the, the school visits to what other experience did you have out there with Rusty or? You know, it, it's funny, Rusty, it's, it, it, it's the assumption that Rusty was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But having known him from day one, any time that he wasn't in school or doing homework, Rusty was working on that ranch because his mother worked every day, his father worked every day. The other co-owners, not so much. But Dallas and Edie Gant, Dallas Sr., uh, were the hardest working people I ever saw. They literally raised that place up from a piece of dirt to what you see today. And uh, Dallas used to scare the heck out of kids because he was a big man, but he wasn't really jolly. As a matter of fact, I, never, I don't believe I ever saw Dallas can't laugh. I, he'd get about a half smile on his face, but uh, he had the biggest heart in the world. And he, uh, he was perfect for that job. And as was easy, Edie, his wife, because she, uh, they had been in the business and they had started from the ground up somewhere in New Mexico. And they, they really and truly knew that business. And they were the ones that innovated things that other people, there were other dude ranches here, but Los Cab was the only one that had a landing strip. Guests could land their own plane right there on the ranch. Um, innovations. They were the ones eventually, because they both fell in love with the game of golf, they wanted to have their own golf course so they have a place to play. So they caused the golf course to be built. But my earliest vivid memory was when we were in the first grade and at our first grade picnic. And um, Edie Gant was there in her swimming suit to act as lifeguard. A bunch of the mothers were there keeping an eye on things and the teachers. and. We were all admonished to stay in the shallow end of the pool. Well, Larry wasn't gonna stay in the shallow end of the pool. Larry did not stay in the shallow end of the pool. And 
I have a very, very vivid memory of going down for probably the third time when Edie Gant jumped in the pool and grabbed me by one arm, picked me up out of that water, set me on the edge of the pool and said, I told you to stay in the shallow end. And that's all she said. And you stayed in the shallow end after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was one of my most vivid memories of the ranch. But the Gants literally raised that up by themselves till they could afford to get more help in there. And Edie, Dallas died way too young. He just had a stroke and was gone immediately. And uh, I think we were in high school then. Rusty was away in school. But uh, Edie just almost didn't miss me. She just kept running it. They did a lot of things for the high school. Um, they fed all of the high school athletes at an athletic banquet with their, the athletes and their fathers at the end of their season and the end of the school year, they would have an athletic banquet. They would keep their staff on long enough to have that athletic banquet for Wickenburg High School. And every year I was in high school, they had that. I don't know how long it went on after that. but When you came back to work decades later, were you surprised that you ended up back where you had started? I was in shock. I could not believe that uh, you know where the obviously where the 300 units are. I was I I spent 15 years active duty military, and then I was in Phoenix before I met my wife. And I was working construction in Phoenix, and I got a call from somebody here in Wickenburg that they needed help on a project at Lost Cabin. So I came up here, and the contractor was will be nameless. But he grew up in Wickenburg, but he didn't have two friends in Wickenburg anywhere. He was that hard to get along with. But I signed on with him, and I actually helped frame all the 300s. The 200s were built, but all the 300s along that lower ridge. The room, so you're talking about. Yeah, the whole building, the entire building. Uh, we, we framed it. We put a roof on it, we insulated it, we put the outside skin on, and then I had had enough of the contractor and I quit and went back to Phoenix. But that was my first exposure to the ranch, and that would have been in about, well, 83, 84, whenever the 300s were built. All they had at the ranch when I was a kid were the original ranch rooms, the ones that are up next to the building. That was it. The uh, what we call the 100s, and they started whatever, I think it's 144 or 145 on that end and built that way. And then the, the Gantt home was where the office is now. Back in those days, there were a lot of local people that would work there. And then there's some that, that were just gypsies. Wickenburg's always, the Dew Ranches have always relied on some I call them gypsies, seasonal workers, because they're just the, the people that had ranch experience here were ranchers. They were busy doing their own thing because we were we. It was not just dude ranches. There was there was a lot of cattle in this country at one time. So you've witnessed a lot of changes out of the ranch. I have, 
I have. Um, a lot of it was Edie Gant's vision, I have to say, because again, Dallas died way too young. And, but she just kept going. And it was her vision, and then later on when Rusty came in, you know, there were things that he wanted to do. But it's, most of it was Edie. I mean, she was, she was a force to be reckoned with. You know, that, that's something unique to Wickenburg. When I was growing up, the three largest and most successful dude ranches were Ramuda Ranch, Los Caballeros, and the Flying E. And all three of them were owned and operated by women. Sophie Burden was at Ramuda. Um, Vi Wellick, who was a friend of my dad's, uh, Vi Wellick was at Flying E, and Edie was at Lost Cab. And believe me, that was unique. That was unique to that industry. That was unique to anything in Arizona in those days. Because women in those days didn't run big outfits. But I, I, I would say that all three of them would have probably closed their doors if it hadn't been for those three women. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they wanted to do. And nothing got in their way. Nothing got in their way. And the, if the town council had a meeting and one or two of those three women weren't at that meeting, they pretty much didn't have a meeting because they were all an influence on this town. Just like Rusty has been an influence on this town since. I, I can't imagine how much he's done to that hospital out there over the years. But just go out there and stand in the lobby and read the, the donor lists. And Rusty Gantz at the top, everyone of them. So what keeps Rancho de los Caballeros going? Two things. One of them is what I call the traditional guests. But uh, the people that have been coming here for not just one family or two families, but for five generations of families have been coming to the ranch. The kids literally grew up here, but it's also the ranch family that, that has made that work for so many years. Jim Voss, the bellman, Caroline Markham, Dick Fredrickson, Judy in housekeeping until she left, Diane, those five people, they are the ranch. They're not, they're not employees, and Linda, of course, she's not with them anymore, but, but uh, she was there 40-some years. They are the ranch. Those are the people that those, so, those guests, when they come every year, are looking to see and are disappointed if they don't see them. Now, a lot of the, the guests are, are dying out and their children or actually it's their grandchildren and great-grandchildren, don't want to come anymore. You know, they, they came years ago. Now, they, not so much. But the, the people like the Brunkers and the Blakeneys and uh, um, the Kempers, I mean, uh, 
Sandy Camper grew up there as a little boy in the seasons. So, you know, and, and now his children are grown and still coming there. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. So it's those kind of families. And the Berlins from, uh, I think they're from Chicago or New York. They came there for years and years. And between those families and the ranch family, which is almost gone now, you know, that's, that's what's kept the doors open. That's what uh, kept that ranch going this long. That's what's made it a success when everybody else literally had to sell. So how was your experience of growing up at the ranch in some respects and at working at the ranch later in your life? How did it influence you? How did it impact your life? Uh, I've always been a hard head and tried to act like nothing impressed me and whatnot, but just the fact that it's still there. I mean, it impressed me when I was a little kid because I got to go swimming, uh, stuff like that. But it impresses the heck out of me today because it's still there. And one of the biggest shocks of my life is when they said Rusty actually sold it. I understand why he did it. In his shoes, I would have done exactly the same thing probably five years sooner. But um, it's a huge part of my life. I started there, and I'm pretty much ending there. You know, I don't think I'll ever have another job. I've turned down three or four jobs in the last six months. Sadly, if the ranch called, I'd show up, which shows you how smart I am. <laughs> but yeah, if they called, I'd show up. In my mind, that ranch will go on as long as we have that nucleus that's kept it going 75 years. Some of those family members, no matter how many generations down, or maybe some new families, they're developing the habit of coming every year. And then that, that family of employees, if you will, without them, there would be no ranch. And they're all, they're, we're all getting older, you know, and they all say, well, I'm not coming back next year. But they always will, you know. Yeah. As long as you got that, you're going to have Rancho de los Caballeros. Is it going to be like it was? That ceased to exist the day Rusty Gantt signed the papers. It's going to be much better for guests that expect more. It's a different world. It's going to be much better for employees when they're through with what they're doing. But as long as we can hold that little two groups together, it'll be good. Thank you, Larry, for sharing your stories. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week as we sit down with two elite members of what became known as the A-Team. You won't want to miss it. This podcast is produced by Susie Miner. Background music written and performed by Dick Fredrickson. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.